Hello and welcome back to Sense and Spirituality. My name is Sheila McGregor and it is good to have you with me again today. I hope you had a lovely Canadian Thanksgiving, those of you who are celebrating, and that you continue to enjoy the beautiful fall colors. Much of Jesus' teachings focused on how we see life. Continually, Jesus criticized people because of their blindness. While I'm not disputing the fact that Jesus may have actually cured some individuals from real physical blindness, I think he used these miracles to highlight what he saw to be the greater problem, namely spiritual blindness. What is spiritual blindness? Basically, it is a form of nearsightedness that causes us only to see things that are close up. In other words, our own self-interest. It includes seeing only those things we are conditioned to see. For example, I never noticed pregnant women until the first time I was expecting a baby, and it certainly never occurred to me that they might be suffering from overwhelming fatigue or morning sickness. I never realized that there was a Buddhist shrine just down the road from our Siloam United Church until my global religions professor in Chicago challenged me to find other religious communities within a five-mile radius. Well, there are lots of things we don't see. We don't see minorities. Imagine, if you can, that you are the only person of your color and ethnicity in a large gathering. What would this feel like for you? My daughter Alexandra and I were discussing this on the phone the other day. We agreed that the vast majority of places we go, we are surrounded by white people who look and talk exactly like us. In fact, for me, the only time I did not feel that I was among the majority was actually at Alexandra's lovely garden wedding in 2021 to delightful black Trinidadian man called Nolan, whom we are delighted is now part of our family. While there were only about 40 guests in attendance, primarily because of COVID restrictions, the vast majority were people of color who had emigrated from various Caribbean countries and settled in Toronto. Most of them spoke with accents unlike our own. Moreover, they were all in their 20s and 30s, putting Richard and me in another minority group. Suddenly, we were the minority and the world looked very different. Or consider this. You look at a map of the world and you cannot find Canada. In fact, nothing about this map looks familiar. Then you realize that the map is upside down. Instead of Canada being located in the top left corner of the map, you find it in the bottom right. Who says that north is up? And how does this impact the way we see the world and others, or even our own selves? If you are around my age or older, you will remember those great big school maps which nearly every classroom had and the vast stretches of land that were shaded in pink to mark the British Commonwealth. Moreover, according to Robert J.C. Young, and I quote, by the early 20th century, nine-tenths of the entire land surface of the globe came to be controlled by European or European-derived powers, unquote. 
But how does the globe look when viewed by the Maori people living in New Zealand or by one of the many indigenous populations of Ecuador? How would all these peoples respond when hearing that their lands had been discovered only in the last 500 years by Europeans, considering that the Maori have lived in what we now call New Zealand since 1300 CE? And the native populations of Ecuador have been there for 11,000 years. By the way, did you know that people have lived in Canada for 12,000 years or more? Well, if you have ever been in a situation where you were the minority in the room, or you were asked to view a map of the world as it might be drawn by a non-Western cartographer, you would have some sense of what it means to live at the margins of life, what it means not to have your voice counted, indeed, what it means for much of the rest of the world outside the West. All of these questions can be gathered together under the theme of post-colonialism, a topic I began to explore during my sabbatical and which I will write more about in the coming weeks. Suffice it to say, however, that post-colonialism looks at the aftermath of colonization and decolonization on those lands that were invaded and conquered by mostly Western European countries and the resulting problems and trauma experienced by native populations like Canada's Indigenous peoples. Specifically, it means refusing to see Western cultures as being superior to Indigenous cultures. It does not discredit or reject Western cultures, but it does challenge traditional Western notions and experiences of power and privilege. Above all, it's about spiritual blindness, about changing our mindset and our values and the way we see those who are different from ourselves. Or as Jesus put it, it's about removing the log from our own eye so that we can really see the other who is also a beloved child of God. That's it for this week, friends. Have a great week and see you next time.